previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. So, of course, now, please, I hope this isn't, a, I, I don't think you'll take offense at this, but of course, the first thing that pops into my mind is Forrest Gump. Now, I know you're not uh, running, you're walking, but still, right? I mean, is, have you been uh, referred to like this at all? Well, I mean, first off, I'll probably run some, but it's just safe to say walk, because it's mostly going to be a walk, and it's just safe oh, sure. to walk. But, um, yeah, no, I, I expect to get five Forrest Gump references per day. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast, and welcome to March Madness. It's here, it's arrived, but first say hello to Roxy. Hi, everyone. And we have someone new, Loyal Littles, out there. Please welcome to the show for her first time, so so be gentle, be gentle. Please welcome to the show, Dre. Hey, Dre, how's it going? Woohoo! Hi, how are you guys? And <laughs> wait, are you, asking, are you asking them to be gentle or me? Because... Oh, that... now... Oh. <laughs> So, Trey, seriously, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. We've been wanting to have a variety of our other friends come on, and it just hasn't worked out yet, but you're here, and that's all that matters. Do just quick introduce yourself to all the loyal littles out there. All right, so my name's Andrea, and I've been in New York. I consider myself a New Yorker because I work there all the time, but then I live right across the river in Jersey, and so it's New York minus Weehawken, whichever you want to call it. Yeah, so there's me. I play trombone, teach low brasses, and do all of that. Bartend a little, eh, you know, jack of all trades. So you were just on this other podcast called Life in the Pit, and I heard it, and I, you know, there might be a little interview <laughs> by yours truly as well on there, but it was great to hear you on that, and I couldn't believe all the other little things you do besides playing your amazing trombone and stuff. And, and Littles, she sold herself a little short there. She's done more Broadway shows than I have, so she's connected. She's really good. So anyway, so Littles, brackets. We have brackets. Now, I know there's a lot of talk on the other about the big show brackets. We will not be doing that. We promise. However, we did want to let you know that the Loyal Littles podcast is doing a bracket challenge. That's all the bracket talk we'll have on this. All you have to do is go to the challenge, search the Loyal Littles podcast. It will come up. Just remember, we do have a password. The password is, Roxy? Use the code. I mean, Littles, how much easier could we have made it? Use no the code. No spaces, That's, no caps. It's so easy. We tried to make it as easy for you as possible. So go to the Bracket Challenge, search the Loyal Littles podcast. Please join in. It's, it'll be a lot of fun. We've already had quite a few people join in. Roxy, we might have to have um, a contest. We don't have a huge prize closet, as I've been saying, but we'll, we'll scrounge some little prizes for the winner. And then yeah. we might have to come up one with, this has been in the past on the big show too. They come, these Littles, they come up with these clever names for their brackets. My favorite one so far, if I, if I was voting, the lead one is the brackets called It Wasn't a Spoiler. And that's by Scott Moffat. I mean, <laughs> to me, that's the, Dre. That's an inside joke, which we'll explain to you off air. But we've got, I mean, we've got a lot of our regulars, Sully from Boston, Chris Davenport. They're all there. But we've got some really cool names. We've got Uncle Benny's Table. We've got F. Baylor. We've got oh, nice. Leave Gun. We've got Leave Gun Take Cannoli. Nine over eight <laughs> upset. Some of these are really clever. So we really appreciate all of you who have joined so far. And please join in. Join in the fun. Again, that's the Loyal Littles podcast, Bracket Challenge. Password is all lowercase, one word, use the code. So Littles, seriously, that will be all the bracket talk we do. We are not going to go through our brackets. We're not going to tell you who Roxy picks, but Roxy, you have your own bracket, right? I do. All right. Trey, are you into college basketball at all? I know that they shoot an orange ball and that it's not <laughs> called a puck. 
<laughs> okay, well, that's a good start. So really what you should be the one, you you would probably be the one that would win this bracket challenge then, because I mean, that that's just Gonzaga. that's fantastic. So, we'll, oh yeah, they're like one of the number one seeds. So there you go. So you should fill one of these out too, is my point. All right, so let's now get to a couple emails. Uh, Roxy, we heard back from James Cunningham. It says, Chuck and Roxy, I should have been more forthcoming when it comes to beer. My beer of choice is Coors Light. It's an easy tailgating beer, so I always have a stash of that. I have been known to scrape the bottom of the beer barrel and, in a pinch, drink Natty Light. However, Todd is trying to pull me out of my poor beer choices. Now, of course, I'm assuming he's referring to Todd Decay. I will drink good beer and post it on my Instagram and Twitter when I do. But deep down, I am a cheap beer guy who more often than not has the crisp, clean taste of the Rockies in my fridge. Now I will say my taste in hard ciders is much more highbrow than my taste in beer. And then it also says, eat it, Sully from Boston. Now we might've put that in ourselves. You know, I'm just saying, I'm not saying that came from James, but thank you James for the email. And thank you for clarifying because you, you were nice enough to write in last time and we asked you to, to clarify a little bit more. Now, Todd Takei did have something else to say. He, I believe it was on the Twitter, we asked based on that, what are some warm beers? Because if you remember last episode, Simon was chiming in about being a Brit and how they drink warm beer. That just was disgusting to me. But he, Todd Takei writes in and says, what are some warm beers that the Brits drink? And Todd Takei writes, stouts, barley wines, and lambic are good beers that are better enjoyed at warmer temps. All three also usually have lower carbonation levels as well. So between the low carb and the high temp, they can taste fairly still and the bubbles aren't offensive. Now, oh. I have no idea what any of that means. Now, oh, oh. Dre, you're a beer drinker, right? Uh, I'm not, but I'm a beer defender. Let's say it this way. <laughs> I mean, so my boyfriend, he drinks a lot of IPAs and sometimes he'll just ask me to try it so he can get a kick out of the horrible face I make. But <laughs> I, and he's like, no, 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 really, they'll hate it. But I'm like, why do I want to try it? Because I just want to see your face. Lambics, for instance, because uh, typically they have uh, fruit flavors of some sort, but if they're too cold, then it suppresses the flavor of that beer and the flavor how it's supposed to be enjoyed. And same thing with a stout. If it's just, if it's too cold, then you can't get the caramel notes. You can't get any of that. And so you, it just ends up being a little bit less cold. Now, when, when people talk about warm beer, it's not necessarily warm. It's just not as cold as your regular American domestic would be. So, and I, th I think that's the basic gist of it. Just like German beers, which those are the beers I like, uh, dark German beers, but they're a little sweeter and they don't necessarily have to be that cold in order to, for you to enjoy the full flavor. Okay, can we just can we just stop this first? Like, wait, so you, you're quote a beer defender? Is that what you right. said? Yes, how, a beer defender. How, how the hell do you know all that? I, that made no <laughs> sense to me whatsoever. I, and I'm totally going to believe you because I have no way to even Google check that. But that sounded fantastic. Todd Decay, how did that sound? I just feel like I was educated there for a second. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not a beer drinker per se. But when oh, people okay, say, fair well, enough. You, well, you really shouldn't, you know, oh, that's warm beer. That's disgusting. And then it's like, well, it's not disgusting. There's a reason for it. So right. whether I'm like the... I'm a court-appointed attorney for beer. I'm just saying, but I mean, <laughs> maybe a little well, bit. No, you're that's right. That's amazing. Enough. Just because you don't drink it doesn't mean you can't know everything about it. So that's, all right, right, fair enough. But that was amazing. So thank you for that. What's your take on Sam Adams beer? That's obviously beer that you would keep cold, but. 
What is your take I, on that? Is it a good quality? Is it a bad quality? I, I love Sam Adams. I love oh. Sam Adams. I love Sam Adams. And then I love some Sam Adams. And actually, I like the uh, different flavors, too. The winter, yeah. the, the winter mm-hmm. one is really good. The fact that there's a 26.2, it's really cool. Probably not up my flavor profile. But the fact that they have it during the marathon, that is awesome. And you just want to drink one just to be a part of that. Thank um, you so much for saying that. Well, <laughs> and now, the Oktoberfest is fire. And yes. it's, it's one of those where it's, it doesn't have to be ice cold, but I wouldn't let it get swilly warm at the bottom, but right. I could definitely finish it, if it, finish it if it was room temperature. Okay. So, so all I'm going to say to that is Sully, be gentle because she's a newbie. So, I mean, you can, but you she can, actually knows what she's talking about, but you can wail on Roxy all you want, but be nice. That's all I'm going to say. She's, she's, we, we want Dre to come back again. That's all I'm going to say. So, yes. well, and Sully, and in, you know, one thing I'll just reach out right to your little there is, uh, is I, I, I like Boston and I, I really like the town and I like, there's so many things that have happened in my life that I am appreciative for of Boston. And so there is something that will, constantly always make me like it a little bit more whether I really like it or not so well Sully from Boston will I'm sure chime in and let us know his views on this topic that's all I'm gonna say and lastly before we take a quick break because we have another great guest as always uh, one you've all been waiting for for a very long time but I did have to make mention earlier this week actually it was over the weekend uh, Drew Brees announced his retirement and a lot of people have been writing in asking me about it because they know I'm a die hard Saints fan and I actually found some another loyal little, and I thought maybe I'll kill two birds with one stone and read a tweet he put out, or maybe it was on Facebook, I don't remember. It was Robbie Daniel, he put this out, and it's almost like taking the words out of my mouth, so I just thought I would read this. Most will never understand where the city of New Orleans was 15 years ago when St. Drew, as he calls him, came to save us, literally. In a few months, I'll be a man and 40, but this picture is taken from my greatest sports memory. Not ashamed to say I cried a little. God bless Drew and his family. And he, I think it was on Facebook, he posted a picture of the Sports Illustrated cover when he won the Super Bowl and he's holding his son up over his head during the celebration. His little boy had the headphones on and all that stuff. Mm. And I echo the sentiment. I it, He just changed that city around and I'm not from there. So I can't even begin to express what it was like to be there you know, during the hurricane and after the hurricane. But what he meant to that city is so great. He finally brought a Super Bowl. I mean, I spent my whole life practically wearing the brown paper bag over my head kind of thing because we used to average two wins a season. And when he came, it just turned the whole franchise around and it was just amazing. So I can't thank Drew Brees enough. It'll be interesting to see where the Saints go from here. But for now, we're just going to celebrate him and all he did for the city of New Orleans. Actually, I have a coworker from Tavern, and she's uh, she's a young little kitten, but she is she's from New Orleans, and I mean, she's such a diehard Saints fan. Again, like wherever your fan base is, and since you mentioned Drew Brees, he is he's a pretty good quarterback. And yeah. again, yeah. don't know much about sports ball, but just from what <laughs> other people talk about and from what my friends care about. Sounds like he's a pretty yeah. good dude. So I know. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you two, let's get the heck out of here because we have a very special guest today. We'll be right back with Meet the Littles.
are being played in this episode by a band called Phono Lux. And this song is called Phantom Vibrations, and it's off their upcoming album called Yours in Isolation, Phono Lux. And they can be found everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But they say the best place to reach them is at phonoluxmusic.wordpress.com. Let me spell that for you real quick. It's P-H-O-N-O-L-U-X-M-U-S-I-C dot wordpress dot com. And as always, we'll play the entire song Phantom Vibrations at the end of the podcast. All right, all you loyal Littles, it's now time to meet the Littles. And boy, do we have a fun one for you today. We have with us everyone's favorite semi-loyal Little. We have Mike from Burke, Virginia. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Good evening, all. Hello. So polite. polite. (laughs) I see, I think semi-loyal Little is an excellent description for how I feel about the show now, so it actually works out. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's what you had in your profile, mm-hmm. and I thought it was funny, so I was like, all right. Oh, our first semi-loyal little. Well, great. We have him, we'll have him on the podcast. <laughs> so anyway, obviously, a lot of littles have been waiting a while for this one. So actually, how I thought we'd start off, because we don't normally do these kind of things, and Mike, we haven't done this on the podcast yet, and I was talking to Roxy about it, and we thought we should really get into this, and we don't want to take a lot of time, because we don't have a ton of time here, but so let's keep it to within like a half an hour. But can we go into the Tiger Woods situation and all of that? Because we haven't really deep dived into that on the podcast yet. Well, my, my position on the Tiger Woods situation is I stopped caring about it after 48 hours. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. I'm sorry yeah. that hurt. I hope yeah. it heals up. It does not require point-by-point coverage as if, as if little Timmy fell down the well. It just doesn't. I, I, we're with you. We just figured we we wanted to do our part on the Loyal Littles podcast because we haven't even gone into it yet. (laughs) And we know how much the Littles like the golf talk. Oh, more than anything. And we thought we had Mike coming on. So, I mean, he'd be the perfect guy because we know how much he wants to go into this. Anyway, Mike, we wanted you to know we do our homework here at the Loyal Littles podcast. I I could recite some Tennyson for you and, like, really (laughs) (laughs) That would be perfect. Mike, seriously, welcome to the podcast. Why don't, you, why don't you introduce yourself? I know most people know who you are, and but we don't know probably your background and everything, where you're from, anything you think Loyal Littles might want to know that they don't already know. So, you know, that's, uh, my full name is, my name is Mike Dean, better known as Mike from Burke, Virginia. I live in Burke, Virginia. Grew up in upstate New York, headed Ooh. south for college to Pennsylvania, headed further south for law school to Virginia came back north to the greater Washington, D.C. area for 10-odd years of mostly litigation practice, and then went sideways into real estate management laws, general counsel at a company that has shopping centers, apartments, and mobile home parks. And that was 23 years ago. Oh, wow. So we have to dive in right away now. Hello, I'm from upstate New York. Where are you from? Putnam County, Carmel. Oh, okay. I have, a, ah. I have a sister that lives in Mail Pack, actually. There you go. Yeah. Oh, neat. Okay. We played them in high school and everything. Oh, okay. Now, one fun thing we've done in the past, and we haven't done it in a while, actually, was earlier today, we were putting on, I kind of leaked out because we, we put out a poll recently, and we found that it was pretty much split right down the middle. 
when littles know like to know who's coming on the podcast, when they're going to be on the podcast. And some people like to keep it a mystery or just get some clues. So I kind of leaked it that you were coming on and that we were doing this interview. So we tweeted out and got some questions from your fans. And why don't we start with Anita from Alaska, because this kind of pertains to your school, I'm assuming. She, she asked, tell us about Haverford. Is that how you say it? Haverford. Haverford, excuse me. Okay. When you come out of a high school in upstate New York that maybe isn't the greatest high school in the history of Western man, but mm-hmm. tragically, you find, they, they figure out that you're good at filling in little little ovals on tests with number two pencils. <laughs> I and, know it well. <laughs> and, and then you're like, you're forced to actually look at colleges. Mm-hmm. And the, the first set of colleges I looked into were like the nice places in like Western Massachusetts, like Williams and Amherst where mm-hmm. I quickly discovered that maybe I wasn't meant to go to college with people with names like Armour Farnsworth IV. Maybe I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Seriously, the first interview I did at, was at Amherst, and it freaked me out so bad because the kid who did the tour was the preppiest little weasel I'd ever seen in all my born days. <laughs> and so we did the Williams tour, which was the same. We did the Amherst tour, which was the same. And by now I'm shaken. By now I'm like, Jesus, they're like anywhere for me. Maybe I should just go to, I, I hate to say this, but my, the, my, if I stayed in state, it was going to be SUNY Binghamton, formerly Harper College, where some <laughs> other people have gone. And I went down, went up to Haverford on a tour where, where there was a little more, it's where it's changed a lot. It's been 40 years. But back then there was almost a little of a loosey-goosey hippie vibe there. And it was still a ex- great academic school. But the comfort level there was so much higher than it had been at any of the other places. They threw a little money at me, and I went. Oh, nice. Nice. Was your major law? Political science. Oh, political science. Okay. Now, one of the other questions pertaining to where you grew up and and where you are now, Anthony Verna chimed in, and he just wants to plainly know just where the hell is Burke, Virginia? Burke, Virginia is in beautiful Fairfax County, Virginia. Just uh, south of Fairfax City. Oh, okay. Yeah, because a lot of us don't really know the area very well. Uh, where but... I reside with my lovely wife of 34 years, on and off, one of our daughters, depending on who's passing through and who's in graduate school or whatever's going on. Gotcha. So how long have you been in Virginia now? Since 1984. Oh, okay. So I'm assuming, well, you can tell us, how did you get involved uh, listening to Tony? Was it columns or... Well, I mean, everybody read Tony's columns back in the day He when he did style and sports. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was masterful. He was hilarious. He did a great job. Some of us missed those yeah. times. Uh, <laughs> but I remember well when WTEM, the sports yak station in D.C., first went on the air. I think it was 1990. But don't quote me on that. And Tony was one of the original hosts. I think he was like 10 to 12 or something like that. In fact, I was listening to the station the first Sunday they went on the air. And I guess just testing out the signal, they ran a continuous loop of Hail to the Redskins and like some song about baseball and a taped highlight from the Indy 500 or something like that. It was very bizarre. Wow. So I started just listening to Tony's show. And it was that's when he had Andy Pollan, also known as Andy Poley, in the second chair. The best second chair he's ever going to have and ever did have. And see, I started taking callers, and I became one of the early callers, I guess. And just a a little world grew up around the show, and it mutated with Tony through when he was on ESPN, and then he was on the Washington Post radio station, 
And then I think back to ESPN. And there was some back and forth and back and forth, followed by the final mutation into the podcast. Gotcha. The well, final so you... mutation, it's another way to make a great name for the movie that we make about this eventually, but that's a <laughs> final mutation. <laughs> right. Um, so you go way back. Well, that's, that get, being old is like that. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so what was it like with the phone calls, though? I mean, what would you talk to him about? I mean, Chad kind of went into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's he's great. But yeah. he, he did have this little group of they would take, I think, just the last 15 minutes of the show for calls. And you were never allowed to say, how are you, as right. you'd be able to on any other sports talk station. Oh. You were, you were going to do the, how are you, Bert from Kanasi thing. You couldn't do it. <laughs> they, they would blow you up. They had a sound effect for blowing people up. Right. And there were some witty, funny, smart people calling in. And the songs came on early. When you've been talking to any of the musical people, of which I am not, does, has anyone ever mentioned a guy named, does the name Chapel Aldridge ring a bell at all? I don't think so. I, I mean, Joe Errol so. might have. I'm not sure. Yeah, but but Chapel Aldridge was one of the early musical forces on the show. And he's still around. He still occasionally pops up on the on the Jerry Negrelli site. But he oh, had okay. some early works that were just masterful. Oh, really? Uh, when the whole OJ thing blew, which I think was 98, mm-hmm. he did a song to the tune of a, he did a, an OJ thing to the tune of, I think it was Beatles' A Day in the Life. And it was both funny and smart and a little sad because the OJ thing was a little sad, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. You mean the trial and all that? Well, no, at that point, just like the arrest. Oh, okay. That was 94, 95. Yeah, the the, the white Bronco thing. Right. That was not right. Okay. And and, I still think that like that Chapel Aldridge, and we have a lot of really, really talented musical people uh, on the show. But mm. Chapel Aldrich stood pretty much in a class by himself. Oh, I see. Yeah, I always wish we could go into archives like that because I was a little bit of a late bloomer on even PTI and stuff like that. And there's some major things that went down back in the day that I wish we could. Now, I mean, I know they weren't around for the OJ thing, but I'm even talking about like certain teams winning certain things. And I would just love to right. go back in the files and be able to hear those shows. Oh, oh, and I know some people do have some old stuff, you know, I, but I have nothing. Yeah. I've written lyrics, I think, to precisely one song the whole time I've done this. And Jerry Negrelli, you know, of course, actually turned it into something good. And I was just going <laughs> to ride. Right. I got you. Right, right. So now this might be interesting. You've been down there for so long. Are you mainly a Washington sports guy now? Oh, no. Are you, what's your favorite sport? What's your favorite team? Things like that. Favorite sport. My heart belongs to baseball. My attention belongs to football. Baseball Yankees, football Giants. Mm-hmm. I've hated the Washington football team my whole life. Easy to do when Dan Snyder's the owner. I mean, right. half, of their, half of their fans hate the team. Big UVA uh, sports fan. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, I mean, the, the night when UVA won the national championship going on two years ago now, although still defending national champions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yes. About that. Hampton Nager would never forgive me if I didn't get that in. <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember the Ral John thing? No. Wait. Oh, when Jack Kent Cook owned the then Redskins and they moved them out to PG, he decreed that the little spot of dirt on which the stadium was built would forever be known as Ralph John Maryland for his two sons, Ralph and John. Wow. And Mr. Kornheiser at one point said it was a really good good thing that his two sons weren't Peter and Ennis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Come on, Roxy, wow. stay with the show. Come on. <laughs> so what's it like? Now you've been in Virginia for all these years and you're obviously in Washington football team country. So what's that like being a Giants fan? Delightful. They're like I've gotten to sit and watch the Giants win Super Bowls while mm-hmm. knowing that the Washington football team fans are sitting at home like enraged <laughs> by the fact that the Giants are winning Super Bowls. And although the Giants right now are bad and they've yeah. been bad or I've lived through periods of badness, they've won four Super Bowls in my adult fandom lifetime. And I'm with it, and I I enjoy and marvel in the suffering of the Washington football team fans. That's you, Joe Arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm missing one. So they beat Buffalo. Right. Did they beat Buffalo twice? No. They beat beat Denver before they beat Buffalo. That's right. They beat Denver first, then Mm. Buffalo. Okay. And then the other two, Roxy doesn't want to talk about. Okay. Everything. That's okay. Dance between Tom Brady and two more Super Bowls. Right. 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 Or as we refer to Tom Brady in New York, Eli's little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, there is that. So, all right. Well, obviously, we've got a lot more to dive into here. You're going to stick around, right? I got nowhere to go. All right. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we're going to get into some, maybe some emails, things like that. All right, loyal (laughs) we'll be right back. Hey, Roxy. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Roxy, we haven't done the promotional codes for uh, the TK show. Hello. Oh, I'm here. Chuck, Chuck, you're there. Oh, <laughs> you want to do some codes? Oh, sorry. Uh, so sorry, Chuck. We're going to do some promotional codes for the TK show. We haven't done this in a while. Harry's, MeUndies, and SeatGeek are all Tony. That's T-O-N-Y. That's a Y, not an I. T-O-N-Y. Johnny O, the code is TK Clocks. Framebridge, the code is Tony K. And for Brooklinen, the code is Tony K Show. That's Tony with a Y, K Show. Those are your codes. Use them. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. And we are having a great time with Mike from Burke, Virginia. So now it's pretty much... We got all the basic stuff out of the way. Now it's time to get down to business, okay? As we mentioned in the first segment, we put a tweet out to ask if anyone had questions and things like that. And we did get another one, and I think it's one a lot of people are asking. But this came from Adam Benson. Mike, what's the best email you have written to the TK show that didn't get read? Ooh. That's a good (laughs) one. a tough one, right? I I was pretty happy with one I... Are you guys aware of the incident about the Tennyson poetry reading from Michael? Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm going to try to be kind. It's not anything I'm good at, but I will try. <laughs> okay. Now, just so you know, Roxy doesn't know, because Roxy doesn't listen to the okay. podcast, but I, I know what you're doing. Shall I sum it up? I mean, you can if you want, okay. real quick. Okay. For our, Tiger Woods crashes his freaking car. That's bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael Kornheiser takes it as an occasion to recite a long, long long poem by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Uh-oh. And it was so unbearably pompous and that, that like, it just made me want to scream. Uh-huh. But, oh, boy. And, and, and what, what made it a bit worse, and I say this with, with all respect, which is to say no respect at all, on Friday when they came back and did another show, now there is no universe in which they did not receive 
dozens upon dozens of emails, say, basically pointing out that Michael had you know, recited this poem and that nobody cared and it was just ridiculous. And they read none of those emails, none. It was not acknowledged in any way. So the most the, the email I said, which was not read, took the simple and basic form of a limerick. And I said, there once was a golfer from Penn reciting some verse now and then. He fathered the hammer and still he must yammer, but spare us the damned Tennyson. <laughs> That's just very recent. I, I send a lot of emails, frankly, which are not really intended to be read. Mm -hmm. I just send them because I want someone the other end to read them and go, no, 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 we're never going to read that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I fear. A lot of times you just want to vent and yeah. get it off your chest and you hit yeah, send. And, sure. and, and like you said, most times you know they're not going to read it. Oh, absolutely. No, some of the ones I've sent, I know there's zero chance to get in the you know, because I'm expressing rage toward somebody involved <laughs> in the show. I mean, for, and this is an example of me changing my mind about something. For years, I crushed Tory Clark. Oh. Mm -hmm. There may have been references to war criminal and blood on her hands. I can't really remember all the details. Oh, dear. But slowly, slowly, Tory has brought me around to the point where I actually kind of like Tory on the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, I love Tory, but I mean, I, I wasn't around in the earlier days. I've heard seen kind of some stories and stuff and where her views lied and stuff like that. I just, I don't, I wasn't around for any of that. So it's well, hard the, for me the, to... I, 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 there are still aspects of her professional career that I don't necessarily find that applause worthy, but she's just pretty good on the show now. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Every once in a while you have to say, okay, okay, I've been brought around maybe against my own free will, but mm. I've been brought around. Well, and also, I mean, especially in the last year, I mean, we're just begging for them to be back because it's just such a different show now. We miss the old show. We miss the gang, so well, to speak. And I, I'm clinging to perhaps a vain hope that when Mr. Tony can leave the attic mm -hmm. and when there can be other people in the room with him doing the show, that the lack of oxygen that permeates the show now will be remedied. Yeah. Mm. I take breaks from the show with some regularity. Because oh, really? sometimes okay. when it just lapses into a week of Mr. Tony contemplating his own navel and Michael mm. telling him that his navel is the most beautiful navel that has ever been, <laughs> I walk away and I turn it off for two weeks or four weeks or six weeks, and then I wander back in. Wow. Because sometimes it's just you're listening to it and you're like, this is not entertainment. So one thing I wanted to get into, though, was it does seem like Tony enjoys your stuff, though. And he knows you're coming at him, and so to speak. I, I I guess coming at that's not a good term, probably. But you're you're, he seems to have fun with it. Is that yeah, not I mean, how you feel? Although the funny thing was, like two or three, maybe a month ago, I'd sent it an email or a couple of emails that frankly weren't that rugged. They mm -hmm. really weren't that bad, and I, I frankly don't even remember exactly what they were. But he referenced how mean my email was three <laughs> different times in that episode. Oh, no. And at the end, he was just like, and this is from Mike, Mike from Burke, Virginia. And then he said <laughs> nothing more. And I was getting messages from tons of littles. And they were saying, what did you send him? And, well, and I, I posted the email and it was like a five on a scale of 10. <laughs> it, just, it just wasn't all that. And I, yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes his skin can be a little thin. Let us never forget that when he was on Monday Night Football, and the Washington Post ran a review of his performance on Monday Night Football that was not flattering. 
He basically mm-hmm. declared full jihad against the Post reporter who wrote the story. <laughs> I mean, there's levels on which his skin is thin. Well, I think everyone's. Yeah, it must be tough. I I I, I sort of get it, but you know, you're, if you're on Monday Night Football, people are yeah. going to write reviews of your performance. I'm sorry, you guys are in show business. Yeah. Is there such a thing as a bad review? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. Be a big boy. Yeah. No, I, I get you. Oh, actually, Monday I remember now what 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 the uh, made him jump up and down. When Phil Spector died, he had posited that the two most important non-musician figures in the history of rock were Phil Spector and George Martin, the Beatles. And I'm like, geez, I think I remember Barry Gordy at Motown. Yeah. I kind of think he might outpoint George Martin, known for his work with one band. Right. (laughs) But for some reason, he he really took that to heart. I don't know why. I I presume that when when he, if he doesn't want to read my emails, he won't read my emails. Right. And I will still send them or I won't. And if I give him a laugh once in a while, I'm glad. Mm-hmm. If I make him think about something for a while, I'm more glad. <laughs> I, to the extent, I'm, am I a fanboy? I'm a fanboy. Am mm-hmm. I happy with the state of the show the last couple of years? Not particularly. Yeah. But I think a lot of that can be put down to the COVID. Oh, yeah, for sure. True. Uh, so with your emails, you've written so many. I, I'm curious if it's similar to some of the jingle writers out there where you hear something on the show and it inspires you, you write it right away. Is it How long does it take you to come up with some of these emails? If I hear something on the show that either provokes or makes me laugh, I usually bang it on email within like 10 minutes. Oh, wow. So like during the episode then? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely during. So, you just wow. so then if something makes you very, like if something sparks a, an intense emotion, you don't, you, you'll you write it right away. You don't give yourself some time to get over some of the emotion of it. You just no. like write it and send it. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a bang zoom situation. <laughs> you don't let it fester. And like, no. Well, I, I almost hesitate to ask you this question, but it's one that it's been pretty popular. So we're going to ask you and, and tread lightly. What is the one thing? All right. Well, I'll give you three. What are the three things that Tony does that drives you the most nuts? Because I know there's more than one, right? Oh, uh, okay. The first two are going to be sort of related because okay. they, they both kind of spring out of self-absorption. One <laughs> is begging for commercial products when this is a very wealthy man this is a man who has done well in life and no one begrudges him a dime all the more reason perhaps that he should not be begging for shoes and pants (laughs) for free presumably whoever he's begging this stuff from could donate that stuff to a qualified charity sure and that goes along with for example, the recent screaming about his water bill at the beach. And he was literally asking for somebody among the littles to ride to his rescue about his water bill, just as he asked people <laughs> to chime in to get the, get, a, get the cars off his street that were parked in places he didn't like. Right. I mean, I could start listing 20 things he's done over the years that are like, I want my problems to become your problems. Your problem. <laughs> <laughs> what if I die? I'll give you one more because that's like one in one A. Okay, all right. Okay, his people come on his show, fine. And these people, some of them are newspaper reporters. Some of them still write for newspapers. Do you think sometimes when he has these conversations that he has read the recent work by these people in their newspapers? 
I'm going to guess no. <laughs> no. My favorite was a couple of weeks ago when he had Chuck Culpepper on for the post. Now, that very weekend, Chuck Culpepper had written a story about how COVID had affected college sports, particularly college football. And Mr. Tony asks him, Chuck, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. You know, how has COVID really affected, you know, football this year? With no <laughs> reference at all to the fact that Chuck had written this long, long story in the Washington Post that very weekend. And I thought you could hear a little confusion in Chuck's response where he was like, well, Tony, I just did 1,500 words on that on Saturday. <laughs> wow. You know, and like he, yeah. he plainly, and this is very obvious in the political discussions, he no longer reads the, his own newspaper. I mean, you hear these things come out of his mouth sometimes. It's like, oh, oh, if you read the A section of the post, you would know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he seems like more of a, just a sports section guy now. Yeah, yeah I just, and God bless him. I mean, yeah. like, I'm a fan of the show. I'll stay a fan of the show, except when I decide, you know, to walk away. But if I was going to interview somebody about topic A, I might consider it a good idea to look what that person had written about topic A. So there, so there you go. Okay, so now, but fair is fair, right? So... What is one thing that you do that would drive Tony crazy? Uh, he, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, I mean, in what context would even I even have the capacity to drive Tony crazy? <laughs> he probably thinks I pick on small errors that he makes. And I do. Uh, but it's like, I mean, Tony's at a, at a stage of life that's a, one, one that we all aspire to. Reasonably healthy. He's got grandchildren. He's got a beach house. He's got a good <laughs> life. And I say, God bless yeah. Because he was an ink-stained wretch, making, I'm sure, a good living, but not a big living for most of his career. Yeah. And then, bang, PTI. Yep. True. And suddenly, here comes the cash. And I don't yeah. begrudge him <laughs> one dime of that cash. But if you're still going to do this podcast, you have an audience, and you owe an audience more effort than we've been getting over the last couple of years. So now, this is a totally shifting topics a little bit. Another fun new one we've had is if you hosted Saturday Night Live, who would you like to introduce as your musical guest? Ooh, uh, Jason Isbell. Ooh. Another little known fact about me, I actually try, try to keep up on music a little bit. Oh, okay. My dearest friend in the world is marooned permanently in the 70s on music, and I <laughs> taunt him constantly about it, whereas mm -hmm. I do try to keep up just a little. I love Jason Isbell. Saw him in Charlottesville two years ago. Oh, and in okay. fact, the last concert I saw before the world ended was his gorgeous and incredibly talented wife, Amanda Shires, at the Sixth and I Synagogue in D.C. in concert. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Which if you ever get a chance, that's an incredible place to see a show. Um, so you said you enjoy Broadway shows. So what has been your favorite Broadway show you've ever seen? Ooh, 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 probably Pippin. Ooh. Ah, like back that's in the a 70, good one. Like back in the late seventies. Yeah. Not the revival then. Did but you I see was, the revival? Yeah, although, from what I've heard of the revival, uh, I I'm impressed. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah it I, was really good. I, I, mean, I really I, like how they played with some of the songs. Uh huh. Well. Mm -hmm. And I like to hit people with trivia from the original cast because. Very few people remember that Pippin's grandmother was played by Irene Ryan, granny uh -huh. of the Beverly Hillbillies. Do you want? Do you want a good story? Wow. Go ahead. Would you like? Would you like a good story? Sure. Uh, I have a friend who was in that cast, and he tells this story. He was just a chorus boy. He was a very young chorus boy. He's now, gosh, he's got to be in the '60s, '70s, whatever. Do you remember how old she was when she did Pippin? Roughly, she had to be in her '50s, '60s, right? 
Oh, if, if not more, because she wasn't that old when she did Beverly Hillbillies. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. So this is how the story goes. Now, I think you'll understand this. You know the difference between like stage left, stage right, yes. obviously, things like that. I, okay. okay. I was in yeah. plays in, in various points of my life, but again, I'm talent free. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Okay. All right. So they're doing the song No Time at All, and they're coming to the end of the song, and this is their, they just started previews on Broadway. And they're doing the song. And so they're supposed to, she was supposed to exit and then the boys follow her off. Okay. Now the first day with an audience, they start, she makes her exit and she stands right on the edge of the stage by the curtain and the boys are following her (laughs) off and they're like practically running her over and falling into her and like blah, blah, blah. So the dance captain goes to the the stage manager and the director and was like, you know, you, you have to tell her she, she, she can't just stand there. She has to, leave the stage keep moving because just keep moving <laughs> and uh so they they went to miss ryan and they they said to her they said no you know irene you, you can't just stand there and blah, blah blah and she looks at them and says this probably will be my last show ever i ever do on broadway i just would like to stand there and listen to the applause after my song wow the next day the boys were choreographed to exit the other side of the stage <laughs> I mean mm, sneaky. <laughs> they weren't gonna deny her that and amen because yeah, that's, that's, that's actually kind of lovely. Yeah, I mean that's just a great story. Pippin in general, just uh, Corner of the Sky was my go-to audition song all the time and I just enjoy it. Well, actually, let's piggyback on that. What's your least favorite Broadway show? Ooh. There are some shows that are like admitted classics that just leave me cold. Carousel does not speak to me. Ooh, mm-hmm. really? And I, and I must say that, and I know they're ma- I know that they're making the movie of In the Heights. Yeah. Yeah. Of the soundtrack, again, doesn't speak to me. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and I love. I'm like everybody else in the world. I love Hamilton. Love it. But just the chunks of In the Heights. Then maybe if I ever bought the soundtrack, sat down and played it, mm-hmm. I would feel differently. Other shows that don't work for me, South Pacific. Oh, <laughs> classics. Okay. It's just, I've seen it, too. And so I'm that's... just sitting there going, dear God, like, can we go to dinner? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you're not a big Roger Hammerstein guy, it sounds like. I guess not. I never really put it together yeah. like that. But yeah. but I, I love Pippin. Uh, what are some of the other ones that I really, really like? Oh, uh, Putnam County Spelling Bee. Yeah, very mm-hmm. clever. Which I can listen to that soundtrack all the way through and go back to the beginning and listen to it again. Okay. Uh, I, I like sad music. I'm a sentimental boy. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's an mm-hmm. R&H. Yeah, well, yeah speaking, of, speaking of slow, which I will admit, but, you know. Yeah. I, although I did blow somebody's mind the other day by telling them one of the, that at least one song was left out of the movie and it just ruined their whole day. <laughs> and it's a great song. Yeah. You know, How Can Love Survive is a great song. Yeah, 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 yeah. It may be a little mean-spirited for the for the movie. Right, right. All right, so before we bore all our littles, you know, from all the Broadway talk, let's get back towards the show. Now, we know some people on the show are, let's just say, you're bigger fans than others. So, Roxy, you had a specific question, though, right? Yeah, so why do you hate Chris Eliza? Hate is such a strong word. <laughs> uh, I'm a, okay. I have a couple of, there's, there's like a general crystalliza issue and a specific crystalliza issue. The general issue is he's not nearly as funny as he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. He obviously thinks like he missed out huge by like not being in stand-up comedy because he thinks he's <laughs> a yuckster. 
<laughs> and he's not. <laughs> the more specific issue is, and he was not the only one, but in 2016, in the presidential election, he did his job so embarrassingly badly, and to my knowledge, has never acknowledged any flaws in how he covered that campaign. He treated Donald Trump like he was a funny little joke. Like, isn't it funny that this man is going to be going to try to be president? Yo, ho, ho. Let me write a column about how he makes me think of characters on Game of Thrones or something like that. Ho, ho, ho. And he didn't take him seriously at all. It blew up in his face. It blew up in the face of the United States of America. Some of these people have acknowledged, yeah, we blew it. Gotcha. Not Crystalliza, to my knowledge. If he has, I didn't see it. So, Mike, we can't thank you enough for coming on and all this. I mean, the stories have been great. Now, I, I did have one thing. You you have a big announcement to make. Oh, oh yes, yes. I'm I'm pleased to announce that I if I look up over my desk where I'm sitting right now, there is a tiny countdown clock, which as I look at it says 366 days. Because mm-hmm. almost exactly one year from the taping of the show, my legal career will end because I am retiring. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's going to be fun. My wife has already retired. And, okay. uh, and it's possible then after that, we will I will no longer be Mike from Burke, Virginia. I Where might be we... Mike from Charlottesville, Virginia. I might be Mike from some other location. We'll have to try to remember that because if we're still going in a year, maybe we'll get you back on. I, I will little... I will always be available. I have enjoyed <laughs> I've met a lot of these people, but I haven't met anywhere near all of them because they're scattered all over the country mm. or whatever. And it's it's really nice to hear the voices that match up with some of these people that I, I talk to online. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a Go good ahead. group. And I, yeah, I, oh, I really enjoy being part of it. And much as Mr. Tony pisses me off sometimes, I doubt I'll ever leave for good. Yeah. yeah. Well, we certainly hope you don't because no. your emails, you know, I said this to Hampton Nager the same way. I said, uh, we just, I also wanted to say thank you because there's days where, you know, you're just having a crappy day and then he reads one of your emails and it makes me laugh and it just changes the day around, you know, even just for that little bit, it's great. So well, thank as, you. As, as, the, as the great Tom Lehrer once said, if any of my work has inspired someone to be crossed to a friend or to strike a loved one. It has all been worthwhile. <laughs> wow. All right. That's a great quote. Well, I think we should just leave, get out of there on that. I don't think. Yeah. We <laughs> Thank you guys. Appreciate it. I mean, it we lot. don't need to know over under. We don't. That that's fantastic. So, uh, well, real quick, is there any? Do you want to? You're on Twitter, right, and all that. I'm something of a joke on Twitter because I've been kicked off Twitter like five times. Well, you know, someone, you know, actually someone tweeted in that question, but I didn't, I thought they were just joking. It says, how many Twitter accounts has he had in which tweet cost him an account that that you're the proudest of? Which one? Uh, The weird thing is, I've learned certain lessons. One, do not jump on the cases of certain conservative political figures in their own feed. Because all 8,000 of their followers will report you. Right. <laughs> once for using the phrase "break your wrists and follow through." What? Yes, uh, I, was, and I, was, and I, I got a notice from Twitter saying I had urged self-harm. 
You know, it's oh. now that you're saying that, I think Eric Lonergan had something like that with, um, speaking of Saliza, something to do with Saliza, and he got in trouble for something like that, too. And I can't remember what it was now yeah, off the top of my head. If people want to find me, like my, unfortunately, my latest account has a lot of numbers in it. But if you just search for Mike from Burke, Virginia, you'll probably find me. It'll come up, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's five six six seven two eight four four, I believe. That, that would be me, Michael. Five six six seven two seven two eight four four. It's like the it's like the worst account name you could possibly have. <laughs> Actually, we'll get we'll get you out of here on this because I, I just checked the Twitter account again, and Grant tweets in, "Being so handsome and brilliant, how do you remain so modest?" <sighs> I don't. <laughs> And Littles, there you have it. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's it is, been it's, so much it's fun. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. I'm available. And hopefully we'll see you in another year when you're retiring. And we'll yeah. say congratulations again. I'll be That'll rocking be on the porch and I will make myself a margarita and we'll talk. All right. Amazing. Okay, all talk right. to you soon. All right, all you loyal Littles. We'll be right back. That Uranus? No, the Loyal Littles Podcast. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. And uh, Roxy, once again, just that we're going to have to do the TK codes forever now because of (laughs) all the rants he went on. Uh, But Mike from Burke, Virginia, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time. It's been a long time coming and we're glad we finally got you on the podcast. All right, you two, let's get to the news. All right, so, well, obviously, the big news of the past week has been, in the pop culture world, has been, first of all, I'm with Tony on this one, the Grammy Awards. I know nobody. I mean, I, I actually, I was surprised. I looked at the winners. And I actually knew a few of these people. I knew Billie Eilish. Is that how you say her name? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Taylor Swift. I know who that is. But then we get to Megan V. Stallion and H-E-R, her, whatever her. that is. <laughs> Watermelon Sugar. Who's that? Harry oh, Styles. No, no, no. I, I, I don't like that song. But who are these people? I They're new. The oh, that's Harry Styles. Yeah, yeah he was uh, um, part of One Direction for a long time. But, oh, I kind uh, of heard of that. I, I've yeah. heard of One Direction. Fiona Apple, I've heard of. Yeah. Obviously, John Legend, I've heard of. So I guess I'm not as old as I think, but these are just not people. Did, Fiona uh, Apple is our time, Chuck. I don't know. I'm just, I, I see Beyonce, <laughs> so I know that name, but I don't know the songs or anything like that. So, and also, here's the other thing. And I, I there's this meme every year about the, they, it says every year, it says, all right, everyone start arguing to find out what the difference between record of the year and album of the year are. Mm. What the hell is the difference? And I know there is a difference, obviously. I don't think it's just so they can give another record or album an extra award and just call it the other. But Littles, what what is the difference between album and record of the year? I, I, Bobby, come on, Bob, yeah, help Bobby us out. I don't know. There's just all these different categories, and I just don't. Sometimes I don't quite get them. But let's move on to something I I do kind of know about, except that I haven't seen hardly any of them. But the bigger news is the Oscar nominations came out mm. earlier this week. And these are, I'm just going to run down a few of the, the main ones. Best Picture, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomaland, Promising Young Women, Sound of Metal, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. I've heard of sort of one of these. 
I mean, what, what you two, what do you got? Anything? I heard of Mank, and I think because it it stood out to me because it was a very it's a very period piece. So obviously the costumes uh, and the makeup and the hair is appealing to me. But I don't know too too much about it. I'd like to see it though. The others, not so much. Jerry, have you heard of any of these? So to piggyback off of you, uh, Roxy, is I, I I tried to crash some information to my brain here. So Mank is about. Mankiewicz, I guess the director mm-hmm. who made Citizen Kane. Yeah. So uh, oh. I think there's probably a lot of historical value just based on the movie, and uh, th- that sounds good. There's some good actors in that. Um, I've heard good things about Judas and the Black Messiah, and then mm-hmm. I've always been, I always feel is it like super subdued, but Gordon Joseph Levitt, is that his name? Joseph Gordon Levitt, yes, that's Very it. Good so, what language are you speaking right now? That's what I want to know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Go ahead. People in the 90s that named their kids with three names and that they wanted to keep them. That's what we're speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, gotcha. But uh, in uh, The Trial of the Sh- uh, Chicago 7, actually, it's on my t- uh, to-watch list, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, everything that he does, whether it's uh, Inception or Looper or... Uh, I. I'm kind of a fan of his, so I can't recall. I'm sure he's done some teeny bopper movies that aren't so great, but yeah, I'm, I don't know. Might go with that. Okay, but so, the Judas yeah. Black, Black Messiah sounds really great. So now for Best Actor, we've got Riz Ahmed, we've got Chadwick Bowman. So he passed away because he just won, I think, the Golden Globe. And then we've got Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, and Stephen Yen. Ewan? I've heard of, obviously, Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman, but that's it. And these are for various movies, uh, some we've just mentioned. Those are our Best Actor nominees. And then for Actress, we've got Viola Davis, who I love from How to Get Away with Murder. And Andrew Day, we've got Vanessa Kirby, we've got Frances McDormand, and we've got Carrie Mulligan. So now this Andrew Day one, that's the United States vs. Billie Holiday. I've heard good things about that, but I haven't seen it yet. Have you guys seen that? Not yet, but I've watched the previews over and over, and I'm like, oh, ooh, I'm going to watch this. No, yeah. I have to have time to actually watch it because sure. I, it's just chronicling so much more of her life that we're unaware of. And yeah. But Frances McDormand, she's she's a powerhouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some but, heavy hitters on these lists for sure. Yeah. yeah. So as the Oscars get closer, and hopefully we'll have seen some more of these movies once we get closer to the Oscars. So we have a couple more quick news stories before we get out of here. This one's kind of funny because of our one of our recent guests. Missouri Angler reels in a 112-pound evasive black carp. Now, I've got a good picture of this that maybe I'll tweet out later. Wildlife officials in Missouri said a man fishing for catfish in the Osage River was surprised to reel in a massive black carp instead. The Missouri Department of Conservation said Jesse Hughes of Bonaz Mill, Osage County, was fishing for catfish with friends when he caught something big. We hooked into it and we knew it was something big, but I originally thought it was a catfish, Hughes said. It was the first I've heard of a black carp. I didn't know anything about it, so this has been quite a learning experience. And the thing that cracks me up, Roxy, is it's Hughes black carp weighed in at a staggering 112 pounds. What? Come on. Call us when you get to Anita from Alaska territory, right? Am I right? I mean, this That's is like true. a little minnow compared to her fish, right? No, that is, it is a true. Pretty, it is a pretty big fish. You, I'll, I'll try to remember to put the picture up on our Twitter page later. May I, may I um, not to yuck 
this person's yum, but Missouri's <laughs> landlocked. Can we just talk about that for a sec? So what does that mean? A uh, freak of nature of having that fish. Alaska oh. not supposed to be there. Oh, maybe, maybe just a little bit. Maybe some chemicals got leaked into the ground. And... <laughs> okay, we're not opening that box. So we're, not, <laughs> we're not going there. But you're, you could be right. You could be right. Okay, and staying in Missouri, I didn't even realize this when I pulled these up, but a Missouri man said he was oh, it was a well-timed phone call to thank for leading him to a scratch-off lottery ticket that earned him two, a $2 million jackpot. Now think about that. All these times when you think, well, things happen for a reason, right? You know, certain things, you go mm -hmm. to certain stores, you do certain things. Well, Rudy Menendez of Missouri told officials while he was driving in Fenton when he received a phone call. So he pulled over at the on-the-run convenience store to answer it safely. Good on him. He said he went into the store and bought a scratch-off lottery ticket. I went inside and picked up a ticket, he said. I won something on that one, then went back inside and picked out another one. His second ticket was a 200 times the money game, earned him a $2 million top prize. He actually said he thought it was $200, he said, and then he moved his thumb and quickly got off the phone. <laughs> He's like, see you, bye. I'm out of here. So that's kind of cool. Just right place, right time. Has that happened to either of you at any time? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Not with money, not with lottery, but... <laughs> you didn't win $2 million? Um, Is that what you're saying? No, I didn't. But one of okay. my side gigs I got because I was cut from an audition. If I hadn't been cut from that audition, I wouldn't have this side gig that I love so much. So yeah, right uh -huh. place, right time. Everything happens yeah. for a reason. I'll go with the everything happens for a reason bit, but um, until you have hindsight, I'd like to think that there are definitely things that right time, right place, but I won't know that until way later. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. All right. And our last story, Roxy, listen up for this one because full disclosure. So Roxy one year got me as a very nice, I think it was Christmas, right? Or was it a birthday gift? I don't remember, but she got me a Lego, I say Lego in loose terms because it wasn't Lego brand, but it was a Lego replica of Fenway Park. Yeah, that and was Christmas. <laughs> it was a Christmas. Okay, well, it, it was a couple of years ago though. Yeah. And put it together during the pandemic, nightmare. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say, nightmare. Totally worth it because it- I don't I think so. Of... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this one, there is a new Guinness record before you get any ideas, Roxy, think this through, because you remember how much of a nightmare the Fenway Park one was. This one is 9,036 pieces. It is a replica of the Colosseum, the Roman Colosseum, was verified by Guinness as being the largest commercially available Lego set. Kobe said some liberties were taken with the design to make it more strongly resemble what the Colosseum might have looked like when the construction was completed in 80 AD. It's oh. been weathered under the Roman sun, so the Lego version provides more color in order to show to some of the shadow lines and better accentuate some of the details. He said he has built the set several times, and each time it took him over 30 hours. The wow. previous record holder was the replica of the Star Wars Millennium Falcon, which had 7,541 pieces. Wait, now, I think my brother had that. Yeah, well, this was yeah. this is the new record, and it shatters the record, obviously, because this is over yeah. 9,000 pieces. The Lego Coliseum retails for a mere $550. So if you've got some chump change, I mean, we just got our stimulus checks, right? Littles, <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe we can run out and spend, oh, you know, a quarter over a quarter of that on a Lego Coliseum, just so you can be cool and have the largest Lego set out there. 
Wow. So, I don't know. I think it would be pretty cool to see for sure. I don't know about oh, putting yeah. it together, but I will say if it is a Lego brand, it probably is better. much better than what I dealt with, with the Fenway park. That was part of the problem. It was a knockoff Lego brand. I won't throw anyone particularly under the bus. It Lots is kind of Gorilla cool. Glue was involved people. Lots of Gorilla <laughs> Glue was involved. You're right. So anyway, Dre, we can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been great. We really appreciate you being here with us today. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, great to hear your voices, which I can almost picture your faces, but I haven't seen you in so long. So I there's know. that. <laughs> Full disclosure, Littles, Dre is on our bowling team that we have in the Broadway Show League. And we always have a blast. We usually see each other once a week and we haven't seen each other in over a year. In over it's a been, year. It's crazy. It's terrible. But we yeah. hear your voice and that's lovely. And we're hoping you'll you'll have some more free time. You can come back on, do another episode or two with us and actually get to know the littles a little bit. I'm sure after that beer talk, they're gonna want you back on a lot. So <laughs> oh my God. free up that schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just see if I got any of that right. So thanks again for having me. And yeah, this is great. Yeah. Roxy, tell everyone how they can get in touch with us. You can email us at wtfcpodnet at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod. We're on Instagram, the Loyal Littles Podcast. And we are also on Facebook. Check out our page, the Loyal Littles Facebook page. Yes. And if you are on Apple or iTunes, don't forget to give us a rate and review. A few more people did that. Roxy, I forgot to tell you that. We got another Ooh. really nice review and a couple Yay. more rates. So we really appreciate that, Littles. That really helps us. It really, really does. And don't forget, we, we kept the bracket talk to a minimum, as we promised. But don't forget to get those brackets in. We're sorry it's so late notice, but because of the schedule change with the big show, you know, as we said, we weren't going to drop any episodes the same day they do. So Littles, get the brackets in. Thank you all for being loyal listeners. And remember, if you're out shopping online tonight, use the code Chuck. How are you, Bert from Canarsie?
podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. Oh, yeah.